0: Welcome to the third and final part in our Law and Borders series on the Scottish real estate market with partners from Morton Fraser. This time I'm joined once again by Alan Stewart and Jonathan Seddon. Great to speak to you both again. Hi there, how are you? All right, thank you. Yeah. So this week we are going to look at uh, the future prospects of the market and investment in commercial real estate in Scotland. But since we did bring this up uh, the last time we spoke, I I felt I do have to mention it again. We're recording this between the first and second rounds of fixtures at the Euros. And unfortunately it was a little bit of a disappointing start for Scotland. Um, how are you both bearing up today?
1: Um,
2: well, you go first. I can't think of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so depressing, Jess. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think as we kind of said, you know, the reality is Scotland are kind of where we are. We're not we're not we're not a great football team, but mm. I think inevitably we just get ourselves so so kind of built up and excited for these things that we want the best and then you know inevitably Scotland being Scotland it doesn't quite materialize so yeah we're looking forward to friday put it like that
0: yeah you hopeful of, hopeful of a yeah. bit of catharsis uh, yeah I, I will, was gonna will, 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 will we be able to keep our crossbars <laughs> <I> suppose <laughs> what it is <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I think the reality is we're we're gonna struggle, aren't we? I mean I I think as I said in the last call, I'm, I'm kind of um, hoping for the best but fearing for the worst. I suppose actually England might put out a second team, so we might we we might have some hope in that sense. <laughs>
2: that would be our a-
1: <laughs> much as
0: I would uh, like to spend the whole half an hour talking about the Euros, uh, I, I would have to work for a different company for that. Um, so um, while there might be a bit of pessimism about um, Scottish football after after yesterday's disappointment, it, it does seem from our previous discussions that uh, the glass is more than half full uh, when it uh, comes to commercial real estate. Would, would that be a fair summation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's spot on, to be honest. I, mean, I think you know, the reality is that obviously we're going through pretty unprecedented times as a country and, and the, the the real estate investment world isn't immune from any of that kind of turbulence. So following on shortly from Brexit, we, we were kind of thrown straight into the the COVID issue and, and, and clearly that has very significant impacts on real estate investors and funds in terms of how they look at their existing portfolios, but, but also how they try and strategize a way forward. So, mm. you know, clearly we're seeing that across our client base in, in, in many respects. And I think probably what you would say is that the last 12 months have been, they've been a challenge, but, you, you know, I feel quite positive about where we've been and, and where we're going to go in terms of the the next cycle ahead. So. I think there's lots of things to be positive about and upbeat about. And some of the some of the really significant trends that we've seen over the last twelve months, I think, will continue over the next twelve months or so. So we're seeing lots of um activity in urban logistics and multi-led industrial, largely driven by the development and the growth of the e-commerce world. And to be honest, it's difficult to see how that isn't going to carry on when you when you layer on top of that things like Brexit. And manufacturing businesses thinking about how they might repurpose some of their supply chains, and clearly that has an impact for the for the real estate industry as well going forward. So, um, while there are challenges, undoubtedly, I think there's lots of opportunities out there for property developers and investors.
2: I think that's right, Alan. I I would agree with that when we we'll look at no doubt sector by sector uh, as we go through. But if you just look at the UK and, and then Scotland within that. There's a lot of grounds for optimism, I think. You know, I was quite taken by the EY attractiveness survey that was out earlier this month, mm. um, a good barometer into you know, foreign direct investment into particular locations. And in that, uh, the UK came out as the most attractive country in Europe for future investment. London came out as Europe's most attractive foreign direct investment city, which might not be a surprise, but it actually overtook Paris from last mm. year in the right direction from london and on the scottish front in that same survey we had london aside so looking at the regions we had edinburgh aberdeen and glasgow all in the top 10 mm. uk so and i appreciate that's more of an economic uh, barometer rather than real estate you're certainly looking at a, in terms of geographical location you're looking at a, a, a country and then a region within that is on the up i think
1: I think that's right, isn't it? When you think about the real estate industry, the reality is, and this is maybe a bit of an oversimplification, but the reality is that real estate is 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 kind of driven by the the underlying health of your economy. So a robust economy means companies are growing, they're developing, they're investing, they're looking for bigger properties, they're they're seeking to kind of move up the chain, if you like. That creates opportunities for developers, for property investors, for funders. It becomes this sort of virtuous circle, if you like, of transactional activity. So yeah, no, I mean, I think when when you think about how attractive Scotland is within the UK, I think some of the results of that survey were hugely encouraging for us. And I think something that we can kind of hang our hats on over the next couple of years, you you know, when, when you actually think about how far ahead of the curve we are in terms of life sciences, in terms of the pharmaceutical industry, we're obviously pivoting away from oil and gas into clean energy. All of these industries are the sorts of industries that are likely to kind of really drive growth over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So I think I think you're right, Johnny, that's a hugely encouraging marker for what might face or, or for where the real estate industry might go over the, a similar period of time.
2: Yeah, and and, and in, all, all real estate sectors will be impacted by that type of thing but office in particular you know, if you've got an area where where foreign investors see that as an attractive place to put their money or to, or to place their businesses then you know all sorts of positives flow from that manufacturing the living offices so we just we, we just need to hope that continues and i think as we said before the one of the keys there is is vaccination rollout you know that that that's the real thing that 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 keeps things on a positive at the moment is 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 that it's seen as a as a, as a country that's got a a proper uh, post-pandemic recovery plan.
1: Yeah I think that's right isn't it? I mean that drives investor confidence and you know I suppose the one kind of blip in the in the roadmap we've had over the last couple of days is obviously Bojo kind of delaying the the opening up down south and, and I suppose when I kind of think about that and reflect on it, I do I do sort of wonder and worry a little bit about what that means in terms of overseas interest in the UK as a whole. Does that, you know, will, does that make it less likely that overseas investors are going to look to travel here to look for property investment opportunities? It, it just makes the transactional activity harder to kind of achieve, if you like.
2: Yeah, it, it, I think I think that's right. It, it, it's it, it's not great timing, and you know, probably. I think we'll we'll manage to hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll we'll see restrictions start to ease in time for the likes of the student market to to get back to decent occupancy rates in in, um, September. But the likes of the hospitality industry, it it is a real blow for them, another three or four weeks of of, uh, more severe restrictions in in that sector, which has already had an unprecedentedly hard 12 months.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I suppose that the, the harsh reality is, as the longer the, the lockdown continues and the restrictions remain in place, then the more likely it is that the recovery is going to be pushed out. So, I mean, I suppose the, if you'd maybe asked me sort of four weeks ago, six weeks ago, I probably would have been a bit more optimistic about a pretty strong bounce back post the summer. I think confidence is probably kind of slipping a little bit isn't it and I know we've done incredibly well in terms of a vaccination rollout and I do wonder though whether or not there's likely to be a bit of a kind of prolonged delay while you know we try and kind of get through some of the economic impacts of this because it it feels to me like further is going to end obviously at some point that just doesn't seem like something that's sustainable in the long run and when it ends are we likely to see significant tenant insolvency? Are we likely to see, you know, more unemployment? I think that seems quite inevitable. And kind of going back to our earlier comments around the real estate industry generally being driven by economic prosperity. Where where, where does that leave us as we kind of go into the winter? I think, I think that's something to be quite thoughtful and mindful about. On the plus side, you know, the reality is, the, the UK and Scotland, you know, especially I think within the UK remains an incredibly attractive proposition for overseas investors. We've got, you know, as we kind of touched on, um, some incredibly successful industries located here that we should be, you know, hugely proud of. And TMT, as we've touched on, life sciences, pharmaceuticals as well, which will all drive that sort of economic prosperity that. Um, we need to see in the, in the real estate industry. I think. I think also one of the other kind of factors to kind of bear in mind is that, you know, if if, if you're an overseas investor, for instance, and you're looking at the UK, there's a number of things that tick the boxes for us. You know, we've got uh, a relatively stable democracy, sort of. You know, we'll probably talk <laughs> about ND, we'll probably talk about Ref2 too, uh, possibly later. We've got. You know, clearly, robust legal and financial systems and protections in place. We've got well-developed land registration systems. We've got, you know, leasing models that create long income and, and investment returns that the property purchasers want to see. You throw on top of that the strong economic drivers that we've talked about already. That it 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 it, it does add up to quite a compelling story, I think, for Scotland.
2: I think it does. I, th- I think that's right, um, and of course, you mentioned in the ref there. And as as you know, people who who live and work in Scotland, it's a big thing for us. You know, you, yeah. whichever side of the fence you sit on, you get you, you, most people are, are relatively passionate about it e- either way, and, and you become it becomes quite a big thing, I, th- I think, for for Scottish residents. And then you're reminded now and again that foreign investors, when they're looking at where they're going to place their money, they see Scottish independence really as a relatively minor concern when weighed up yeah. against the types of risks that they might be looking at in other jurisdictions, in other countries. Um, and when you couple that with the factors that I'll mention, there better yields perhaps in in, in the UK and in Scotland as well compared to other jurisdictions. Yeah, absolutely. You can you can see why foreign investors would it would tip the scales in favour rather than against.
0: You, you preempted my my uh, question on on uh, the independence referendum being another <laughs> another strand, having gone into uh, COVID and, and Brexit. But do you think, having mentioned that that there are indications that maybe the economic implications of Brexit uh, might not be as um, severe as some people um, predicted? Do you think if that is 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 how things play out, and and that uh, the UK and Scotland in particular remain very um, Favourable uh, locations for overseas investment. Do, do you think that that makes the debate about the referendum more likely to go away, or, or, or how how do you think how do you feel that it, it will play out over the next year?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's such a tough one, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I, I I suppose I think the situation is so nuanced and complicated. I guess in truth, Jess. That, I, I think what COVID has done is masked a lot of the the Brexit implications for the UK as a whole. Mm. I think I think Brexit came along and within what, three or four months we were kind of thrown into a lockdown. So I, th- I think the reality is that businesses and companies and, and, and the general economy is still trying to get its head around um, what this new trading arrangement is going to mean as a whole for the country. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think we've really had the time or the opportunity to really figure that out because we've been so busy dealing with the the pandemic. I think when we come out of the pandemic, I think that's when we'll start to kind of get a sense of what what does Brexit mean for the UK as a whole? And, and then the supplementary to that is if Brexit is a bad thing for the UK as a whole, what, what, what different direction could Scotland go in in terms of independence? And, and independence isn't the only constitutional solution there might be more devolution there might mm. be um general home rule and um, there might just even be you know a, a resurgence of the union i mean i wouldn't rule that out completely um but i think in the grand scheme of things i think the reality is there are so many significant macro structural economic issues out there on top of covid and brexit you, you know, a, Potential trade war with the EU, uh, resurgent China, How, what does that mean for our supply chains, um, security threats from Russia? Uh, and then that's even before you get on to things like the climate emergency. You know, Ind- India Ref 2 seems to me to be way down the list. I mean, I'm probably getting too much into sort of political stuff here potentially, but India Ref 2 seems like such a minor issue potentially compared to some of these. Significant macro issues that that really drive the real estate economy.
2: Yeah, I think I I I would agree with that, Jess, entirely. It's you know going back three or four years when the world was in a slightly more sensible place, India F two seemed like a much bigger thing. Uh, and at that point, I suppose it was the uncertainty that dragged the the the, the real estate market a little bit. You know, mm. real estate's again, as as Al says, real estate uh, performance is never that far away from economic performance, and and the and the one thing they have in common is that they they actually deal with uncertainty uh, harder than they do deal with uh, bad news. Um, and I think that, you know, three or four years ago, I'd say that was the big uncertainty in Scotland. But we're, where we are now, it, it's something that's somewhere on the horizon. But frankly, it, it's probably fourth or fifth down the list. <laughs> uh, um, so it's it doesn't get too much airtime at the moment, I would say, <laughs> um, up
1: here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the next sort of six, 12 months. You know, if we we can bounce back strongly from COVID, um, then there may, and and Brexit isn't as bad as people fear, and businesses manage to realign themselves and get into new trading arrangements, and we make that an economic success. Um, That's all positive. And then, actually, when you layer on top of that maybe a, a a sort of UK government driving this levelling up agenda, and we see more infrastructure investment, not only in Scotland, but around the, the regions in the UK, then that seems like quite a purposeful way forward for the real estate industry. I mean, obviously lots of real estate is directly and inextricably linked to infrastructure development. So um, when we can see that, the economic benefits of that coming through, and filtering into different real estate sectors, then we'll we'll, we'll probably at that stage have a better idea of whether or not um, the real estate industry is looking at a period of, you know, reasonably successful activity or whether or not we're likely to be restrained in terms of where we go over the next couple of years.
0: Putting aside to the extent that we can those sort of major uh, macro geopolitical issues that we've we've been talking about and then everything that we've discussed over this, um, three-part series. I mean, what, how would you, uh, if you were, if you were going to uh, grade the the current investment market in Scotland out of ten, what, what, where would you, where would you put it, and, and where do you think it it could go? I think, I think it,
1: yeah, that's a tough one as well. <laughs> no, that's that's me one. Putting on the spot. I, <laughs> I, I, I think we're really resilient. I mean, I think the reality is, you know, if you just think about some of the deals that have been transacted in Scotland over the last six or 12 months, a lot of those deals follow some of the themes that we've kind of talked about. So we've seen, for instance, um, overseas investors, German money, Korean money, buying up grade A office buildings, largely in Edinburgh, but also Glasgow. Um, We've seen a lot of significant overseas equity flowing into Distribution sites of logistics, multi-let industrial, and, and we've also started to see the emergence of a more robust build-to-rent sector. And I, I know Johnny's got views on this, but you know you could probably say the build-to-rent sector's been a bit of a slow burner in Scotland, but we're, we're starting to see some sizeable um, sites getting funding and coming through to fruition. So we're, we're all of these investment deals. Grade offices, open logistics, build to rent, reflect some of the, the themes that we've seen emerge or be accelerated by COVID. So, you know, the the the, the emergence of e-commerce, the, the the changing way we live and we work, all being reflected in terms of some of the the investment deals that we're seeing in the market. So, I think. To answer your question slightly more directly, I, I, think, I, think where the, I think where the product is available and the really good products available, I think Scotland is an incredibly attractive place for um, overseas investors and also UK funds to invest. And I think we'll see that over the next 12, 18 months continue.
2: Yeah, you could answer it in a sector by sector basis, I guess, if, you, if, if, if you're drilling down Mm. Into it, but you'd certainly be, you know, on a on an out of ten, you'd be you'd be, you'd be over five rather than rather than under five, certainly. Um, I mean, I'll mention BTR there. You know, that's. that's I'll, a I'll let you
0: use i let you use grades if you like grades. Out, uh, a grade, <laughs> B grade, if you if you prefer that. to out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I tell you, I, 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 investment. I I would say on the on the BTR front, you've probably got because you've got the demand, the consumer demand and the political will, um, and now in Scotland, you have the investor appetite as well, I think, because the investors, the funders are now pretty keen, living seen as a, a safe bet, I think, rather than rather than something that's a bit kind off mm. pieced for the commercial world. So, you know, we had the Dundara scheme in Aberdeen City Centre that completed last year on the BTR front. The pipeline now, you know, Moda, I've got a couple of schemes: one in Edinburgh, one in Glasgow. Mm. L and G have got two in Glasgow that are that are uh, on the go platform in, in Glasgow and Edinburgh. So there's a there's a lot of units um, in the pipeline at the moment on the on the on the development side. Now, Bill mm. the occupancy confidence in those would be pretty high, I think. So um, I think on the BTR side, it's it's not news. This you know the, the BTR market is there, and when the product comes through, there'll be investment money um targeted at it and and, and student living is very similar. Probably in Scotland is much more developed on the PBSA side of things. Um, I think now the investment mood's very strong in Scotland yeah, for definitely. purpose-built student accommodation. All the experts are predicting a very uh, strong Q3 and a lot of activity in Q4 of this year. Mm. Um, there's a lot of pent up money. Um international students I think when they deferred for 2020, that this, this, the feedback looks like that was genuinely a deferment rather than a, a rather than a cancellation of the studies, and they're coming back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the vaccination program continues to be rolled out, I think the student market, and as we discussed in the first podcast, particularly the high end student market where you get the the, the the bigger rooms with the better quality space. Um, meeting the demand of the of the students that think they'll be spending more time in their accommodation. A um, lot of new entrants into the market, market as Alan said, you know, um, money from USA, Singapore, Malaysia, these kind of places,
1: mm-hmm. all
2: finding their way not just into offices, Alan mentioned, but into student accommodation as well. A lot of new entrants into the market. So I, I if, if we're looking at grading particular. Se- subsectors of the real estate market. I think student for 2021 and 2022. Uh, I would have that probably eight or nine on my list.
1: Yeah, I, 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 mean, I, can, I mean, I suppose one of the kind of themes there is that actually the residential market in Scotland's been incredibly resilient. So, you, you know, putting aside the the pandemic and all the all the kind of rest of it, if if you kind of lump into that sector, student accommodation, BTR, senior living, care homes. The, the reality is that, as a subsector now, and some people call it an alternative sector, albeit it's becoming a bit more mainstream. That's a that is a, a sector now that's providing some you know really reliable income streams. So, actually, I think you know you're talking about that now as being one of the one of the sectors that you would probably watch if you like over the next couple of years. Jess, absolutely. I was just going to kind of touch on. Um, the growing kind of um, interest in retail warehousing, Johnny, because I I think probably what I'm kind of starting to see is maybe a recognition that retail parks have been, um, you know, are are maybe reaching that point now where there's real value there. I know that we've, we've started to see a number of retail parks being kind of packaged up into various portfolio deals and coming to the market over the next couple of months, and, and I think, yes, that's another area of the Scottish property investment market where we're likely to see some significant transactional activity. Re- retail parts have been given a bit of a hard time, um, but actually in a COVID world, you know, maybe if, if values have hit a level now where they, they, they're, they're a bit more realistic in terms of the tenant default risk you could look at a retail park that's situated on the outskirts of a town and obviously you could potentially repurpose it for residential use it might also have logistics use and there are all sorts of other care home and um, type uses that you might be able to kind of play into in terms of some of these assets so i think i think that's an area that i would be interested to see how that develops over the next 12 18 months
0: and yeah, was it anything else that you wanted to pick out, Jonathan, or have we, we pretty much covered everything we set out to with this three-part series?
2: Yeah, I think you know, we, we've just covered living there in logistics. and logistics. I think i probably just return very briefly to offices. I eh? It's a market that fascinates me just now in terms of the potential flux that's going on. And I think one of the things that is tricky is trying to work out how best to use your office when mm. there's no staff in it you mm. know and, and we see that a little bit you know um, what, what is the best way to, 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 to use an office do you need more space do you need less space do you, you know do you need less desks um, and I think one of the one of the themes that, are, that will come through there is particularly where there's uh, lease expiries or breaks is the question of Less to do with space, but more to do with a, a different office altogether. So there's obviously going a big focus on wellness. There is a focus on wellness at the moment. That is going to be a theme for the future, and collaboration as well. I think one of the things we've missed over the last twelve months or more is really sitting down with our colleagues and and you know collaboration is a wide a wide expression, but 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 chatting things through and bouncing a, a energy off each other. That's been a a noted absence. Um, and I think, as, as an employer, uh, what what we'll look for is more collaboration space, more touchdown space, more kind of informal meeting type of rooms, and perhaps less of the formal, open plan, desk to desk arrangements. Um, and, and we're seeing that as well in in new space that is taken up um, in Edinburgh. We've we've got neighbours Thomas and Adamson mm. who have just moved into Quarter Mile. Um, and they've got a fantastic ground floor unit that they've taken. Um, so it's right next to the meds, of course, like you know, fantastic for open green space. And they've got workspace for, I think, 80-odd staff, but they've only got 20 formal desks. So a lot of it is breakout areas. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's touchdown space. Um, and it's really, you, you can see that, that it's not just a wellbeing consideration thought of there. It's very much a, how best to use the space to help collaborate so I'm really interested to see how the office market develops over the next 12 months I think.
1: I guess that's right isn't it I mean I I think the reality is that you know I think those people who are predicting the death of the office probably kind of got that wrong and I think Mm. I think they'll be repurposed in different ways for different purposes and I think you know as you say we will probably try and engage with staff and and people in those offices in a different sort of way and does that mean people will need more space or less space? I don't know I think you just need a different type of space Mm. so I I think there's a lot of thinking to be done around how businesses occupy and use that space and certainly in terms of Edinburgh and Glasgow transaction what we're seeing is actually a very robust occupier market so we know that if you build good quality office accommodation, um there there are occupiers out there prepared to kinda of take it. And again, that's a hugely encouraging kind of sign of um activity levels ahead.
2: I think if I won fifty million on the Euro million, I'll I, I, you, I give,
1: think you I, give me I, 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 I,
2: we, well, I, I would I would we we go we go halves. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I'd be looking at i I'd be looking at a grade A office block in Edinburgh. I think is where I yeah. would where I would be putting putting the money just because the rents are are strong just now and I think there's probably scope the rents to you know in, in, increase as well even so. It's, it's funny basically.
1: yeah it's funny you say that I had a conversation with a client this morning about uh, I I won't name it but an office development in Edinburgh that um, may or may not get off the ground and and they were telling me. Um, some stories about how much construction costs have have risen over mm. the last six months. You know, probably partly because of COVID, but principally because of Brexit, as far as I could mm. see. So the cost of steel's gone up by some huge astronomical amount, and materials and labour as well. And actually, what 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 they seemed to kind of say was, the costs have gone up so much, but we can't actually get that back in terms of increasing the rental payable by a tenant. So, you know, if you consider a um, hay market, for instance, that the headline rents probably, what, £35, 36 £37 a square foot. Mm. Um, even even adopting those numbers makes the development quite marginal on some of the other sites. So, it, 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 it is definitely a, an interesting period for the Scottish real estate market, Jess. There's no question mm. of that. Mm. Certainly, it certainly
0: is... Uh, sounded it over the last uh, one and a half hours of a podcast, and I think if, the, if if people take one thing away from this series, uh, it's that if you win fifty million on the lottery, uh, an office in Edinburgh is a better bet than a Caribbean island. <laughs>
1: Do I have a choice? I want a Caribbean <laughs> island. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> uh,
0: many thanks uh, to you both and, and to Rory last uh, last time out for for joining me for this series. I, I hope you've enjoyed it we have thank been you jess it's been, been a, a pleasure you really enjoyed it okay you have and uh best of luck uh, on friday night which will of course uh be in the past by the time people listen to this but wh- whatever happens i hope it's uh an enjoyable game uh for all involved
1: yeah i think we'll be watching it from behind the sofa to be honest but yeah
0: <laughs> okay you have been listening to law and borders from the eg property podcast